When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Good to be coming to you live from Claire Drake Arena. The game is underway, almost three minutes old, no score. The Golden Bears are on an early power play here, haven't generated much as they're taking on the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. As we take a look at your scoreboard, courtesy of AMA, or pardon me, courtesy of Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, you can call 310-GLASS today. In the NHL tonight, the Lightning lead the Penguins 4-2. They are late in the second period. The Hurricanes taking it to the Jets 4-0 in Winnipeg early in the second period. As the uh, Winnipeg Jets, one of the teams that uh, haven't been doing well here into the second half of the season. The Blue Jackets and the Flames just getting underway, and the Coyotes are taking on the Ducks. Reed Wilkins with you at 7.06. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer tonight, back at the 6.30 Ched Palatial Broadcasting Compound. Kellen, thanks for letting me go on a little field trip tonight. Hey, no problem. You handed in your signed permission slip, so we're good to go, man. I did. I got my dad to sign it. It's funny. When, when I was uh, in school, you always hoped to go on a field trip, you, you know, somewhere other than school. Now that I have a job, I go on field trips where I get to come to a school. Right. Always great to be at a, uh, at a U of A game, and it is a good one tonight with the Bears and the Huskies. Are you, have you attended any games here at Claire Drake, Kellen? Oh, yeah. Uh, a while ago. I should actually come down and, and see one within the next uh, you know, few months now. So I've been, geez, I used to go all the time about 10 years ago or so. It's a pretty fun experience. It was, it's, it was pre- I started coming when I was, uh, when I was a student, and it, it's always a lot of fun. They're not here every game anymore. It, it seemed when I was in school, or maybe it's just the, the memory, you always romanticize things you look back on. But have you ever seen the, the St. Joe's cheering section from St. Joseph's yes. College? Those guys are great. They tend to sit in the end the Bears attack twice so to the and to the left of the visiting goalie and when they're at their best if they get you know a dozen 15 20 of them at a game they take it just be relentless on the visiting team goaltender they're fun to watch right on yeah and we need them to be as loud loud and rowdy as possible because the Golden Bears they need wins man to get into the playoffs for sure yeah well they're going to be in the playoffs it's just a matter of where they finish it'd be nice if they could get that first round by I don't see any St. Joe's guys here tonight so that's uh, mildly disappointing but other than that it's a it's a great field trip I just want to catch up on some text messages here Uh, Namudi I hope I'm saying that right let's forget about blockbuster trades right now how about we focus on the team we have now I know Yakupov will find his way by the end of the season, whether it's with Letestu or Nuge or McDavid, it doesn't matter. All I know is that Ben Scribbins is going to get lit up tomorrow, and I can't wait. That is a text from the Moody. 
Well, yeah, the Oilers up against their their, their old goaltender, who uh, you know didn't play a regular season minute for the Oilers this season, was in Bakersfield, and eventually got moved for Zach Cassian. Ben Scrivens had some exceptional games as an Oiler. He also had a lot of uh, below-average games. The 59-save performance against San Jose, legendary, but uh, overall not good enough. Corey the Butcher says, uh, hey, Reed, I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but I think Yakupov will get traded at the draft for either a second or third round pick or a decent prospect to fill a gap with the Condors. Just my thoughts. Have a good weekend. That is from Corey the Butcher. And Brandon says, hey, Reed, I'm tired of the Yakupov versus Everly debate. Look at it this way. I've got two players. One is putting 30 to 40 pucks in the net riding shotgun with Connor, and the other isn't. I'm going to give my score $6 million a year, and the other one I'm going to ride out until his contract is done and look for somebody cheaper. It's a no-brainer. Brandon, thank you for sending that text <laughs> because it keeps coming up on shows like this. It even came up last night. I didn't expect it was going to come up last night, but people wanted to talk about it last night. A game the Oilers won 7-2, and I didn't think there would be much to complain about. But, I mean, that's the bottom line. Everly produces more. So he gets the chance. Brandon, thank you. Please text the show anytime when you can send in such a nice summary of your thoughts. That's a good one. Bob Stoffer is going to jump in after 7.30 tonight. Of course, Bob was at Oilers practice today as they uh, hit the ice at the Bell Centre in Montreal to get ready for the Habs. And Bob sat down with the Oilers' leading scorer, Taylor Hall. Well, this is, uh, I think, probably been a little bit different experience for you because I, I would think, Taylor, there have been very few times during the time, as an Evans Oiler, where the weight of the world is not on you because there's more than one line that can score. And that's what's going on right now. Is that a, is that a fair assessment with this uh, team right now? Um, I mean, uh, we've we've always had a pretty uh, a pretty deep top six, but I don't think, you know, obviously we've never had a player like Connor before that can carry um, offense single-handedly um, pretty much. And uh, I think it's great. It's, uh, not only does it lessen load for our line, but it forces other teams to mix up their matchups, to focus on other guys, and that's what hockey's about. I mean, if it was just one line, we're never going to win. We're never going to get far. But, um, you know, if we can have two scoring lines with Connor and Leon, that's going to add a lot of offense for sure. All right. Uh, you continue to play with Leon. Is there a, a little bit of, uh, you know, friendly competitiveness between the two groups? Like, hey, we got you know, we want to do our part too. And, and, I mean, you guys have, I mean, you and Leon are both sitting basically at a point per game this season. Oh, I think, I think there's always competitiveness uh, in a group. And you look at the best teams in the world, uh, whatever sport it is, there's always competition on their teams. There's always guys that want to be better than the other guys. And it's not a slight. It's it's just competitiveness. It's guys that want to win and help their team. And that's no different here. I mean, we don't think we're going to score six, seven goals every game. But uh, certainly if we can provide offense and not be on for goals against, that's going to be huge. How big of an addition has a guy like Zach Cassian been? I mean, Latesto, they sign him in the offseason plays in every situation, but Cassian's given you guys a little bit different dimension in your top nine. Yeah, Cass has been a great teammate um, since he's come to our team. I mean, everyone knows the situation and what he's been through, but I've seen nothing but um, a guy that, like I said, has been a great teammate. He adds a whole new dimension to whatever line he's playing on, and 
it's a it's a brand of toughness that's also it's almost borderline crazy, but it's fun to be on a team with a guy like that. All right, you got some young defensemen here. When you see Darnell get excited the way he did last night, and you, I mean, you set him up for a beauty chance, and a year from now he's going to score there. You know that, right? He's going to finish that playoff on that rush that you uh, let up the ice there. But uh, and then he got a little bit nasty late. Is it, it's nice to have that guy on your back end, knowing that we got a guy that if he has to, he can dust guys off. Yeah, I know for sure. It's uh, whenever I see, whenever I'm on the ice with Darnell and he's engaged in a one-on-one battle, I, you know, I'm leaning to the to the side that he's going to win it on. He's so strong and he has uh, a real mean streak to him. And uh, and we need guys like that. We need that that brand of, um, you know, it's not it's not silly toughness. It's just when the when the situation arises, we need to be able to push back. And I think that's great to see. And Eric Grab as well. Obviously, you got involved with Justin Falk the other night. Uh, family coming in to see you play tomorrow against Montreal. Yeah, I had uh, I had a bunch of family yesterday and some friends, and uh, I think it'll be the same thing in Montreal. Uh, I haven't played here since 2011, believe it or not, which is uh, it's almost like my first game again here. And uh, for the young guys that haven't played here, it's an amazing building. The atmosphere is great, and uh, you know, hopefully, we can kind of capitalize on a team that might not be playing their best. Any concern about an early afternoon game, or do you have to change what you guys do to get geared up to go? Does Matt Hendricks has to have to help get you guys fired up early? I'm sure Matt Hendricks is gonna. He'll probably have me roll it in by that. Eh? I think I think <laughs> Matty Hendricks is gonna have about eight coffees, and uh, he'll have himself going. But it's the same for both sides. Uh, the Eastern teams are a little bit more used to playing the afternoon games. They play them a lot more. But um, you know, come ready to play at 2:10 and um, have a good start, and then everything else will take care of itself. All right. Well. <laughs> Some joking around about Matt Hendricks. I think Matt Hendricks will be, you know, we, we did a show a couple weeks ago on reliable players, and all of you either texted or phoned in and had Matt Hendricks on your list. I think he will be ready to go whether the game starts at 2 noon or, or 1.30 in the morning. Bit of an earlier start, 2 o'clock in Montreal, noon Edmonton time. Bob asked Taylor about Darnell Nurse, and, and I like what Taylor said there. It's not fake toughness with... Darnell Nurse. He he is willing to engage. He doesn't back down. He will initiate if he has to. Certainly he got a lot of applause from Oilers fans for the fight last night. His dad's reaction absolutely priceless. That's what it's like when your your dad's a pro athlete. You grow up in a family a family of athletes. Donovan McNabb marries into your family. Big scrum by the way by the U of S net. Somebody got drilled. There's going to be a penalty called. I think the Bears might be going back on the power play here. Still scoreless about nine minutes in. So, yeah, Darnell Nurse. You know, it's funny how many how many comments we get from you guys saying, man, I hated Zach Cassian in Vancouver. Now I love him. I think Darnell Nurse is going to be looked at that way once he goes through the league a couple of times. Other teams and other teams' fan bases are going to hate Darnell Nurse. And Oilers fans are going to love him. So remember that. Cassian, obviously tough time in his life, was in the uh, substance abuse program in the fall. So far, so good from Cassian. Got a goal last night. You know, admittedly one Hammond should have had, but still went in for him. Here's Todd McClellan on uh, Cassian fitting in so far. 
I'm not surprised in his contributions. We saw him playing in uh, Vancouver an awful lot when I was in San Jose playoff series and and uh, a lot of regular season games. Um, I think the key for us right now is is the role we have him in. Um, you know, he's playing with a, a couple of guys that one can skate and shoot, the other one's a good checker, and uh, he's not expected. Nor do we put pressure on him to score 25 or 30 goals playing with our top players. Um, he's finding his way um, with our team and back into the league, and I think he's done a very admirable job. He's certainly made a difference to uh, to our club, and um, you know, more importantly, is the the person and uh, Zach and. Uh, you know what he's gone through personally moving forward that's our number one goal with him is to make sure that uh, that he gets what he needs uh, individually so that he can live a good healthy life and uh, so far he's been uh, tremendous with it uh, both hockey wise and life wise I think that started here with Bergey and in Montreal getting him the help that he needed and I know that he appreciates that and um, you know we're grateful for it as well but now it's our turn to pick that uh, that part of it up and make sure we provide him with all the support he needs. You know, if Cassian keeps going this way, keeps everything online away from the rink, obviously no reason the Oilers aren't going to resign him in my mind. I mean, maybe he just gets another one-year deal. But certainly, I, I always saw him as a third-line player. I know Bob would argue that he could play higher in the lineup. It, my argument would be is that, it, that if you – have Cassie and higher in the lineup on a consistent basis. I don't know how good your team is, um, but he's definitely a third liner, I think, and uh, he's been fitting in so far. Got a text here at 630-630 from an unnamed texture. I wish you had signed your name. Can we trade Bob Stoffer for a third? Well, like I said, you have to recognize what you have, and sometimes it's not what somebody isn't. If you trade Bob Stoffer, the tree planting stories on this station are going to decline dramatically. If you're willing to live with that, then fine. You can talk about trading Bob. Bob's going to be on after the 7.30 news. We'll also have his interview with Jordan Everly, who had two goals last night. When we get back, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 6.30 Chet. The U of A Golden Bears 0 for 2 on the power play. 12 minutes into the game here against the Saskatchewan Huskies. Shots are 7-2 Alberta. No score though. I know the Bears had, had Levko Koper on the show earlier this week. He's a fifth year forward for the Bears. And I talked to head coach Serge Lejoie before the game. And they were really concerned about their starts in the game being too reactive, not proactive. Not a problem tonight, uh, but they weren't able to score. This uh, Saskatchewan Huskies team, 21-3 and coming into the game. They have not looked great. They certainly have some speed on the team, but the second penalty especially, really undisciplined. And now they got a three-on-two, so we'll see if they're able to convert. The shot is blocked and floats over the net. So you wonder, too, with the Huskies already having wrapped up the number one seed, if that affects their intensity here moving through their final four games of the regular season. You would think in a Saskatchewan-Alberta rivalry it would it would always be there, but they haven't really looked like a, a number one ranked team so far tonight. We're here for this one with you until 9 o'clock. We'll keep you updated on the U of A game. Always fun to be live at Clear Drake. Reed Wilkins with you. Bob Stoffer coming up after the 7.30 news. The Oilers practice today in Montreal. Stoffer sat down with Jordan Everly. 
Burton, uh, you've had a couple games now to play with uh, to play with Connor and Benoit. You guys have had some success. You've had some success in the power play. Give me your thoughts of where you're at right now in terms of reading and reacting, and and you know maybe if there's room for more growth as well. Yeah, there's always room for more growth. I think um, you know two games. It's, it's a small sample size. I think more than anything, our power play has been really good. Um, you know, which is great. That's going to give your team a chance to win. Five on five. Um, I thought we took a better step last game. Um, I know the two teams that we've played the last two games kind of want to play offensively, so you're going to get a lot more chances. So, you know, you got to put that all into perspective. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a starting point. Is there a different confidence level right now with this group, knowing that you've basically got two lines that can go, and you've got that guy that at any time can turn it on? Yeah, yeah. I think more than anything, we got that one-two punch. But not only that, but, I mean, the other lines are scored too. So it's uh, it's tough to beat you when you're, when you're scoring seven goals. So, um, and not to mention, like I said, our power play has been red hot. So we got to we got to continue playing that way. I think we got to understand that we got a team coming up here that yeah, they can skate more than anything. So um, you know you got to be able to keep up with them and and, uh, and and when you get a chance, bury it. And not only that, but I, I like the way we defended last game too. I mean, obviously the seven goals is great, but only letting two in. You uh, you've not scored a hat trick in the NHL, uh, if I recall correctly, down in the American Hockey League. And actually, I didn't recall during the broadcast, but I know you had a four and a three goal game down in the AHL. You had multiple hat tricks with Regina. Was part of you thinking four minutes left in the game? Hey, am I going to get a chance here in the power play to get the uh, the Hattie, or where was your headspace at? Uh, were you a little surprised you didn't get out there, or were you happy to see the third power play unit uh, break through with Brandon Davidson? Oh yeah, no, I, I love seeing those guys go out there and score. I think more than I mean, you definitely think about hat trick. You know, when you haven't had one, it, it goes through your mind. Um, but I mean, it, the instant that I scored my second one, it started to go through my head. I think I've had um, quite a few total games and, and a couple, few really early, like last yeah. game, and, and not had a chance. But um, you know, it's just the way it goes. I, you know, I, I found I was still shooting the puck, which is great, and making plays. So, um, you know, that, that stuff hopefully will come. <laughs> how much conversation is on the bench between you and, and Connor and Benoit, and how much of it is just naturally instinctive? Um, well, I mean, a lot of it's just going out and playing and, and letting your talent take over. Um, the thing I like about our, our dynamic is, um, you know, I, I like to think I think the game well, and uh, and I know Connor does well. So, and and Pooh does at a high level as well. So, I mean, that, that's always great. But you know, at the NHL level, you got to be able to talk and. There was definitely a lot of communication going on on the bench, whether it's a player here or there. And like I said, we've only played two games together, so you're still trying to feel each other out and let each other know where you're going to be. You uh, missed 13 games earlier this year. Right now the team does not have uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Oscar Clefbaum around. Do you guys stay in touch with those guys? Do they reach out? What happened in your situation when you weren't around uh, playing at the start of the season? Well, when I was when I was hurt, it was, I mean, at the very start. So I think you got three, four months off in the, in the summer um, and – you know, you're pretty amped to go, and, and when you not, don't have that opportunity, you're, you know, you want to be in, with the team, you know, somewhere or another. So you're always texting, giving guys feedback. I know for me, I like to watch, and, um, you know, Halsey's obviously a guy I'm pretty close with, and, and giving him tips on what I see in his game or whatnot. So, and, and I, I was texting with Nuge last night, too. So, um, you know, you, you do that for sure. You still want to feel a part of the team, and that's important. All right. Uh, final question is pertaining to Montreal. They have struggled. Worst stretch for their team since 19. 1939-40, just to establish I was not around back then, but uh, just a, a thought on face and, and I guess capitalizing against a team that's maybe doesn't have a lot of confidence right now. You guys have been there yourselves. You know what yeah. that's like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, every team goes through it one point or the other in the season. Um, you know, but you got to be careful with these guys. This is, a, this is a building that has a lot of energy and anything can happen. Um, they're a team that, you know, skates really well. They're not a very big team, but they're going to strip you of pucks and, and buzz around. So, um, 
Um, you got to be able to do the right things with the puck because if you don't, they're going to be coming quick the other way. Well, the Oilers beat a reeling team last night, and they certainly face another one tomorrow, so they're going to have to try to jump on the halves. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Ched. 10.30 a.m. face-off show, puck drop at noon. Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer are going to have the call, and Stoffer, our next guest, Inside Sports, live from Claire Drake Arena, still scoreless late in the first, Bears in the U of S. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, the first period just ended here at Claire Drake Arena. No score between the Golden Bears and the Saskatchewan Huskies. The Bears ranked seventh in the nation. They are third in Canada West, one point behind Mount Royal. The Huskies are first in the nation and uh, first in Canada West. They've already clinched home ice advantage through the conference playoffs. In the NHL tonight, the Calgary Flames have a goal from Yuri Hoodler. They lead the Blue Jackets 1-0 in the first. The Jets are on the board, but they still have a lot of work to do. The Hurricanes have a 4-1 lead late in the second period. The Winnipeg Jets haven't been doing great lately. I wonder if the Oilers are going to be able to move past them. Lightning ahead of the Penguins, 4-2. That one is early in the third. And the Coyotes and the Ducks still to come tonight. That is one of those games tonight where the Oilers can't win because one of the teams that they are chasing is uh, going to move farther ahead of them. Before I bring in Bob Stoffer, quick text here from Mike to 630-630. He says, early in the Oilers' season, I thought the team was almost watching McDavid. With his injury, there was a tremendous response with player after player stepping up their game and their compete level. With McDavid's return, I can't imagine how excited he was to be on the ice with a team which had begun to gel and was actively working to get better as a team. We've Finally, we have yet to see the entire team healthy and on the ice at the same time. This is such a better season with the effort, the excitement, and a consistent better effort. I see a much stronger and more consistent foundation they are building on. That is from Mike. Well, Mike, I appreciate the optimistic uh, text because even after last night's game, there was still the, oh, it's only Ottawa crowd. Um, I, I'm glad you used the word foundation because Todd McClellan has stretched the, uh, has stressed that word. He hasn't talked about playoffs or position in standings. I think he will if and when the Oilers improve, but he stressed foundation. And I think one element of the foundation is that when you have a team down, kick them when they're down. Suffocate the game, suffocate the other team, add to the lead if you can. And uh, they were able to do that last night. And they didn't do that a lot of times earlier in the season. I mean, McDavid in the lineup or not, you can find, I think, easily three to five points that slipped away because of you know a bad goal uh, back on Halloween against Calgary or uh, a late goal against the LA Kings or two goals in 51 seconds or whatever it was when they visited the Minnesota Wild. Games that probably should have been in overtime or one in regulation time where the Oilers got zero points. So yeah, you know what? Ottawa fought back to make it 3-2. After that, lights out. Oilers put it away. To me, that's a little bit of a brick in the foundation. Reed Wilkins with you, 736 at Claire Drake Arena. Pleased to welcome back to the show the host of Oilers Now, noon to two every day here on this very station, my old friend Bob Stoffer, a man I spent many hours with uh, in Claire Drake Arena. Bob, thanks for making time for me tonight. How are you doing? Not bad, Reed. How are you doing? Good. Now, are you at a game tonight, too? No. Uh, we had a dinner tonight for the winners of the 630 Chad uh, trip to Montreal. And... Uh, 
MC New York. Uh, that was uh, with Crystal Creek Homes and Canadian Tire Slash Sport Check. Yeah. And so we're just having a little bit of a dinner right now. I was going to go watch the Miguel Redmond play, but we were able to uh, convene at a uh, downtown establishment in Montreal. Awesome stuff. Well, I met those uh, winners, yeah, and very well deserved. They're going to have a lot of fun uh, going to the games and, and hanging out with you and Jack and, and some of the crew as well. Just don't let them get too rowdy with Tom Gazzola, okay? Well, you know, Tom's that guy, right? I mean, he <laughs> you got to have that guy, and he's that guy. Truth of the matter, though, is that, you know, Jack Michaels is by far uh, the most animated and uh, assertive personality of the group. So he's usually, if anybody's going to get in trouble, it's going to be of Jack. Animated, assertive. You could probably find other A words for Jack. Oh, but I digress. Yeah, you, you nailed it. <laughs> uh, before we get to some Oilers stuff, uh, we're scoreless through one here at Claire Drake Arena. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't see the, the games in Saskatchewan. These two teams played. The Huskies are on an incredible roll. They've won nine in a row. They're 21-3 they're and three on the season. Uh, from what I saw, Bob, a quicker Huskies team than ones I've seen in the past. Their three leading scorers are all rookies, Cole Bommel, Levi Cable, and Andrew Johnson, all Saskatchewan kids who came home after Western Hockey League careers. Um, but I don't think Dave Adolph's going to be pleased with their with their discipline. Two power plays they gave the Bears, one an incredibly stupid and meaningless roughing penalty in front of their own net. So, and, that, and then, you know, that discipline thing has hurt Huskies teams in the past, so we'll see how it affects them here tonight and down the stretch drive. Well, Dave hates hearing about that, but, uh, you know, they've only won one national championship at that school. I was back in 1983 with Dave King. Uh, Dave Adolph was on that team. And then, uh, you know, Dave was at Lethbridge. He left Lethbridge, and the next year Lethbridge won a national title, and Dave went to Saskatchewan. He had some excellent teams in the late 1990s. They had uh, three years in a row to host the national championship at home. They didn't get it done in any of those years. Uh, they made it to the final a couple of years ago against the Bears, and uh, they, they played well that year. I don't think there's any debate about it, but Alberta beat them 3-1 in the final of the University Cup. This year, uh, Cole Bommel was the one of those three players that Ian Herbers had initially targeted. Uh, Cole is uh, uh, from uh, Saskatoon, and his brother uh, has some challenges, and Cole felt uh, that he needed to be out around to help and support his family. And I just think that's a, a wonderful story. So I think it's great that Cole Bommel's playing. He played in Everett for... Uh, uh, for Kevin Constantine of the Silvertips, and he was a 30-goal score, 60-point guy. And Translate that to any other WHL team, Reed, and you're looking at 40 goals and 80 points. So he's a good player. they got excellent goaltending with Jordan Cook, and uh, they've been a, a surprise this year. The Bears have been a disappointment. That being said, uh, the Bears have seven players that have won uh, two national championships back-to-back -back and can elevate at any time. Um, the good news for Alberta, Reed, is Alberta has survived the first period. The last two games against Calgary last week, and I watched both of them. Uh, the Bears were chasing badly after both periods. So uh, I, I actually don't think they're in that bad of shape here scoreless after one. Well, and that's the odd thing talking about the Bears. And, I, you know, I talked to Levko Koper on Inside Sports on Wednesday, talked to Serge Lajoie before the game, and they both kind of said we're being too reactive and not proactive. And that's a complete yeah. flip from how this team usually plays. So probably maybe a mentality thing. And, and, you know, there's everybody gets up to play the Golden Bears too, right? So that probably factors into it. 7-4.
640 Inside Sports on 630. Chad Wilkins and Stauffer with you. You've moved on to uh, to Montreal, the game tomorrow, and an early one, Hockey Day in Canada. It's going to be a fun one. Ben Scrivens, Bob, expected to be the goaltender for the Habs. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, that's the storyline because Ben Scrivens and Andrew Ference were two of Dallas Aikens' guys. And whereas, uh, you know, Ference is, uh, they're both smart men. Like, make no mistake, Ference and Scrivens. Um, but parents, you know, knew how to socialize and coexist. And, and uh, you know, I don't think he showed up as teammates a lot. And I do think at times Ben Scrivens was too demonstrative with some of the Oilers' younger players and, you know, would kind of look at the bench and uh, glare at them after goals against. And uh, I, I think Ben's done a better job this year of reevaluating what happened at the end of last season. But I'm going to be interested to see what happens here tomorrow. I mean, we had George LaRock on the show today, Reed, and uh, he does not have a lot of confidence where the Canadians are at right now. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that uh, I think tomorrow could be a real fun day for the Oilers and uh, should be a, an interesting hockey game to watch. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Chet, 10.30 for the face-off show. You heard the text I read from Mike, and uh, pretty optimistic text, which, which I like to hear. He mentioned that foundation, and and I and I believe, I stand by what I what I said. McClellan has been very careful not to talk about playoffs, as has Shirelli. I do think that McClellan is the type of guy that once the team improves, you're going to say he's going to say, yeah, darn right, we should be in this spot or we should be beating these teams. He's been careful with those expectations this season, and and I re- I know where Columbus and Ottawa are in the standings. But they had leads, they they put the game away, and I do see that as a little bit of a brick in this foundation and saying, okay, we we kept control. Ottawa maybe came back and got two on us. We kept control. I think Talbot's a big part of that. I think McDavid's a big part of that because he adds some killer instinct to the group. Um, but regardless of the quality of the, the opponent, I, I see being able to close out the, those games as some little steps to build on. Well, the other thing that happened in both games, Reid, is at no point did McClellan go to the whip. I mean, he short-shifted uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle as those games were on. And Mark Letestu, you know, I talked to him last night after the game. He's like, I'm playing too much right now. You know, so and I know he said that to you, too. And, uh, you know, Hendricks has played a lot. The Oilers got themselves in a little bit of penalty killing uh, issues because the officials tend to manage the game and the Oilers had some big leads. And... Uh, so Edmonton had a much better defense stress uh, yesterday against Ottawa than they did against Columbus. You know, they got Schultz back, and uh, uh, that, that was a difference for them. And they got Brandon Davidson back, and he has really emerged. And they need to sign Brandon Davidson to an extension. I don't think there's any debate about that. Again, this this start of this post-All-Star breaks worked, worked out well to the owners' advantage. They get Columbus. They don't have Bobrovsky. Uh, they go to Ottawa, they chase Anderson, the Sens aren't playing well. They come to Montreal, they're going to get the Canadiens' third-string goalie, Ben Scrivens, a team that doesn't have a lot of confidence. The Islanders will be playing the second of back-to-back just like Edmonton. I'm not sure where Halak's back, if he's even returned yet. So we might see a third-string goalie against the Islanders. And then the Devils play on Monday night before uh, having Martin Brodeur retirement night on Tuesday. But we know this, they'll be starting Schneider in that game. 
So that'll be the first true number one goalie they're going to be getting for a while if Halak can't go for the Islanders. So there's some winnable games here. They've got to continue the momentum and uh, take care of business tomorrow against Montreal. You know, you, you mentioned what Latestu said and Hendricks playing a little more, and I was talking about this earlier on the show. The positive in those blowouts is the rest you're able to give the Hall and McDavid's of the world, so you might be able to get a little more juice out of them in a back-to-back set this weekend. Is it a given, though, do you think, that we're going to see Anders Nielsen make an increasingly rare appearance on Sunday? Or if it turns into another quote-unquote easy game tomorrow, and I'm not counting any chickens, uh, could we see Talbot get back-to-back Saturday-Sunday? Uh, I expect that we'll see both uh, Nielsen and Griffin Reinhardt against the Islanders if Reinhardt doesn't come in tomorrow against the Habs. That's the one question mark. Does Nurse player does Reinhardt play against the uh, Canadians? But it wouldn't surprise me if Nurse plays tomorrow if Reinhardt gets back in against the Islanders. And I expect Nielsen to start against the Islanders with Talbot starting tomorrow. Okay. And before I let you go, Bob, uh, <laughs> boy, oh, boy, tons of uh, Neil Yakupov stuff on this show tonight. And I know uh, you, yeah. you talked about uh, Schultz and Yakupov continue to be the two guys that I don't, I don't know if there's so much whipping boys anymore. Just a lot of people wondering where they're at what opportunity they're going to get if they're going to wind up blossoming somewhere else. I, you, I heard you and Friedman today. It was a good conversation. Elliot seemed to indicate, uh, the way I was reading it, that it, it just isn't going to work out for Schultz and Edmonton. Well, I think that Justin Schultz and Neil Yakupov have been the two players that have been affected the most by the coaching change from Kruger to Aikens, from Nelson to, uh, uh, to McClellan. I, I think that for whatever reason, those were the two guys that, it, you know, and clearly... Uh, it did not work out with one of those coaches in particular. Uh, it also says a lot about the player. So, you know, I think it's, it's looking fairly likely that Justin Schultz moves at the deadline. You're not going to – would you qualify – like, Reed, put your Peter Sorella GM's hat on. Would you qualify Justin Schultz at $4 bucks per year? Well, of course not. Okay. And in a Nails case, you know, maybe there's an, an organization, maybe even one that we might see on this road trip – that could use a Russian player in their market and give Nail a, a chance to get started. But uh, Nail and Justin, it's, it's always 75% on the player. But right now, they're two of the guys that I think we are both expecting a lot more from, and we haven't seen it to date. And as much as the organization's been imperfect along the way, the players have got to be better too. Well, and if you're Nail Yakpov on a line with Cassian and Latesta, you can't consistently be the quietest guy on that line. Nope, and, that, and, that, and that's what makes me wonder is, and I know you got to go here, but if you're an organization adding, here's the thing, if I put a, a GM, GM hat on for another team, I don't really know what I'm adding to my team right now if I'm adding Nail Yakupov. I'm still, I think yep. I'm still hoping as opposed to knowing. Well, but and conversely, the owners might be taking hope back if they're going to potentially look at moving Nail at some point. Fair enough. Right, like that's the type of deal that's going to have to transpire. Um you know, it's funny. I, I see a little bit more of a concerted effort to integrate. He's certainly done a lot of things locally around town, um, but it just it hasn't come to fruition. And it's been noticeable in, in these last two games. Like, I think Yakupov has been their worst forward. So, looks like they're starting that second period, eh? Yeah, they're coming up. I better let you get back to your event. Thanks for being so generous with your time. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. You can call me anytime when you're stuck and can't get a better guess. <laughs> Okay, thanks, Bob. Bob, stop for checking in. Host of uh, host of Oilers now, noon to two every day on 6:30. Chad, also the color analyst on the Oilers radio network with.
Jack Michaels, who is indeed a very assertive personality. All right, the phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. I'm on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins. The second period is going to start here in about two minutes. Golden Bears against the Huskies, scoreless after one. Oh, Kellen, you know what else we have to encourage people to send in tonight? Super Bowl predictions? Super Bowl predictions. Evan Dom, what's yours? Carolina Panthers by 10. you got to give an exact score. You can't just say by 10. 27-17, Evan Dom from uh, CanadaWest.tv here calling the game tonight. I'm sticking. I, am I, I, am, Kellen, am I the only person in the universe picking the Denver Broncos? Uh, I think you and maybe uh, some granny <laughs> some, living in some old some, folks home in Florida has picked the, some, the Broncos. Some alien on Xandar 9. Yeah, exactly. The, the only other being in the universe picking the Denver Broncos. You can text those to 630-630. We'll go back and forth with them over the final hour of the show. All right, live at Claire Drake Arena, 748 Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Second period underway. Minute in, still looking for the first goal, Golden Bears and Huskies. Super Bowl prediction slowly. Now, this is odd. I say, hey, send your Super Bowl prediction. I'll read them out. It's that fun time of year where, you know, whatever, big football game. Everybody wants to try to be right. I'm still living on the fact that I got the score right last year. I'll be living on that for a long time because, trust me, it'll never happen again. So I get the first two predictions that I get are oddly enough the exact same thing. Nate in Vegas tweets me, I have a feeling the Broncos will win 23-21. And the oven chicken, who's a uh, loyal listener, still basting in his own juices in the oven, uh, text 630-630, and he says, Denver wins 23-21. So so a couple other people in the universe, like me, thinking Denver is going to be able to pull this out. I just think, I think Carolina's very good. I think they're excellent. I, I just, I don't know. I don't see a steamroll by Carolina in this one. I think they have some flaws, and I, I really think Denver is is better coached. And I think, despite Newton's maneuverability, I, I still think the Denver pass rush can can get to him and cause problems. That that's my Cole's notes of why I'm making that pick. So we'll see. I actually think it's going to be a closer game. I know some people are predicting blowouts for the the Carolina Panthers. I don't see it that way. Kellen, do you want to do yours now or do it uh, later on in the show? Oh, by the way, also later on in the show, we're going to get Mike Riley. Uh, Mike Riley is going to give his Super Bowl pick too. Do you, right. do you, uh, uh, you know what? I'll give my prediction right now. I'll just make it quick. I think Carolina will beat Denver by three. I think the final will be 35-32. A lot of points. A lot of points. All right. Well, and I said 24-19 Denver, right? That's correct, yeah. 24-19 Denver. Okay. Well, it's always fun. All right, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Super Bowl talk coming up after 8. This is great. Uh, A guy who was once the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. He played in three Pro Bowls. First-round draft pick in 2005. Now with Fox Sports 1 in the United States, Sean Merriman is going to join us to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. He was drafted 
just one spot behind uh, a guy who is still making a big impact in the league, DeMarcus Ware, who was drafted by the Cowboys. Now he plays for the Denver Broncos. So that'll be great to have Sean Merriman on the show. And uh, also tonight, uh, between 8.30 and 9, Jamie Thomas from Sportsnet. We often talk football and Star Wars with him, let's be honest. He's going to be in. He's reporting from Santa Clara, so he'll give us his perspective and we'll force him to give a prediction uh, as well. Inside Sports, of course, is presented by AMA. Be listening tomorrow for your Alberta Motor Association's Oilers Hockey AMA safety and savings for your family. Kellen, I bought a chuck a puck. All right. Second, you know what chuck a puck is, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, the little rub- the orange rubber pucks, you throw it and closest to the center ice dot wins. I don't even know what you win. You could uh, could be something. I probably win like free tuition 20 years after I graduated. Right. I, this doesn't Here's help me now. Here's my puck throwing tip for you. <laughs> Throw it overhand. Don't do any yeah, underhand score uh, throws. you got to just whip it onto the ice, man. Just like... No, no, I won't Randy do it under. Well, plus I'm, plus I got a table right in front of me because all our broadcast equipment is set up. So I can't throw it underhand. So are you saying like full-on 12 o'clock overhand or exactly. sort of a sidearm? Really? Yeah. Want to like go Roger too Clemens. far? Okay, but so then do I throw it so it lands on its side, or do I throw it with my fingers across the top of the puck like a baseball? If base, you throw like it baseball. with enough weight, it'll naturally land on its side. The, the puck, if it, it can displace a lot of... It's like a cat. You know how cats always land on their feet, right? The puck will always land, <laughs> you know, on, on its bottom. Or but this is a rubber... It's a, it's, a, it's a rubber puck. It's not the hard, hard regular game puck. Yep. Give it a try. Well, I can't throw it now. The game is on. I'll just just throw it now. I was just practicing, everybody. It's okay. Give me my fuck back. All right. You can text your Super Bowl pick. Winning team and final score to 630-630. I don't know. If anybody gets it, we'll try to give you a prize. Maybe a lock of Brian Hall's hair. Who knows? Having a fun Friday night at Claire Drake Arena. Still no score. Four minutes into the second period between the seventh-ranked Golden Bears and the number one U of S Huskies. Huskies are on a power play, but it looks like the Bears are going to kill it off. Eight o'clock news, and then former NFL linebacker Sean Merriman. Hope you can stick around for that.